Welcome to part 5 of the Way of the Spirit in Network Norwich's podcast talking about Jesus' baptism according to Mark's Gospel. This talk is delivered to you by Richard George of the Way of the Spirit. And for more information visit www.thewayofthespirit.com Welcome to number 5 in this series of uh, looking at the baptism of Jesus at the Jordan. And we're very much, as we go through this and considering uh, Jesus' baptism himself, obviously we're, we're applying it to ourselves and really listening to what God wants to say to us about our call, our ministry. This is at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And, and you know, the way God dealt with Jesus in calling him and equipping him and leading him in his ministry really is no different from how he deals with us. The magnitude of Jesus' ministry clearly far outweighs anything any of us will ever touch. But nevertheless, the principles and and the general way in which Jesus is being led uh, can often be mapped onto our own experience, or rather our experience mapped onto his. It doesn't always happen neatly. It never happens, you know, according to a formula and fitting neatly into this box or that box. But often we can look back and see for ourselves something of uh, the way God's worked in Jesus' life in the way he's worked in our lives. We can see the long period where nothing happens, where we live ordinary lives. And we can see the time when, we, when something special is happening and we come, we have a mountaintop experience with God. We get equipped, we get baptised in the Spirit. We hear God's voice in our life. Something changes. You know, uh, teaching the Word of God is, is an amazing thing. I'm so privileged to be involved in it and teaching others to do the same because there's something about the words of God and the voice of God that goes forth and achieves far more than we could even find words to try and describe. One of the Psalms talks about God's voice thundering across the waters, doesn't he? You know, the word created. God said, let there be light, and the word created. As God spoke, something was created. As God spoke, the Father spoke to Jesus at his baptism, he created something in Jesus, created a ministry, created faith for a ministry. And as I was implying earlier on, I believe this is how God always operates. By speaking his word, by the spirit hovering, by the word, and creating something in in our spirits. And once God has spoken, you know, it it really does need to contain a a health warning, doesn't it, the Bible? If you really really open the Bible and start reading it, and you really start listening to what God's saying, it's going to change your life forever. There's no going back. (laughs) And there's a sense in which that's true, you know, you, uh, and, and even in a moment, everything can suddenly be on a different level and suddenly we find ourselves walking a different way because God's done something different and new and fresh in our life. But anyway, so, so our experience can often be mapped onto that of Jesus. So we have our mountaintop experience, we have our infilling in or baptism of the Holy Spirit, we have our equipping, we have our, the vision that we get for our life and for our ministry. And, and, and on the mountaintop, we think, well, this is how it's always going to be. It's so wonderful. I'm going to live on the mountaintop now. Um, I remember thinking one point back in 15 years ago or so at Bible College, I remember, I remember being in the car park on car park duty while everyone else was in the meeting. I was walking up and down the road wearing a yellow thing, you know. I looked up at this big tree, and I just remember vividly, I often look at trees and clouds, they seem to, I don't know, do something for me, but I remember looking at this tree and thinking, there isn't a luckier man alive in the world than me. (laughs) 
I hadn't got a clue about doing any ministry at that time or teaching the word or anything. I just felt so, so in relationship with God, so empowered by him, so alive in my spirit, so, so enjoying everything he was to me in that moment. It didn't matter what was going to happen the next day, but that moment. And there's a sense in which we want that to continue, isn't there? There's a sense in which we want to live in that all the time. But you see, for Jesus, he didn't. Look what happened next for Jesus. So he's had this experience. God has spoken to him. He's got a sense of what he's going to do. And then suddenly, at once, or immediately, which is going to be a common word we come across in Mark, immediately, the Spirit, the Spirit, not the devil, the Spirit sent him out into the desert. It says in Luke, the Spirit led him into the desert. There's a sense in which this was God's best plan for him at this moment. Hang on, but the Father's just said, I love you, you're my son. I'm well pleased. What are you leading me into the desert for now? (laughs) And there's a real sense of, 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 whoa, what's going on here? This loving Father, this great family scene that we saw last week. Uh, But now, a moment later, Jesus is being led into the desert where he's going to be tempted face-to-face with the devil for 40 days. And that's not going to be a nice thing to do. Does his father not really love him? Or maybe we should ask, what is the nature of this love of the father? Maybe we should check our own understanding of what we mean by love and apply it onto, onto what the father is doing and how the father is loving Jesus. Of course... It's a strong redemptive love that we're talking about here of the Father. It's a, it's a love, he loves his Son, but he also loves the world that he's created through his Son. And it's that strong, you know, it is a, the Gospel is amazing, isn't it? If we could just linger on it and stay in the good of it, that God chose to send his Son to save the world. I mean, why didn't he send 500 million angels to do it, to do the job? Or wrap it all up and start again, hope this time Eve didn't sin or something. But he didn't. He so loved the world, he sent the thing that was most precious to him to die that we might be saved. It cost him everything. He so loved the world he gave. God's a giver. And we're made in his image. He's made us to be givers. So that that this love of the fathers is a strong redemptive love. It's a a love that's being exercised through sending Jesus to the cross, isn't it? And this this particular phase into the desert. He's, He's demonstrating the deep redemptive love he carries for all that he's made, for all of creation. In, 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 in sending Jesus. And so Jesus has to be equipped to walk the walk he's going to walk. The mountaintop experience is not enough on its own to prepare you for kingdom ministry. The call of God on your life must be tested. And so Jesus is led into the desert, according to Luke, and goes into the desert where he's tempted for 40 days, being tempted by Satan. Now, you and I have no doubt been tempted probably not by Satan. 
uh, he may have sent his minions to tempt you, but not himself came to tempt you. Your ministry probably was not worthy of him coming to you personally and trying to tempt you. Um, <clears throat> but Jesus had, the had Satan himself for 40 days <laughs> tempting him. Uh, we don't have an account in Mark as to what really happened there, just, just a sort of summary of it. You have to go to Matthew or Luke to see what the temptations were and all that. We're not going to look at that today. But, but suffice it to say that Jesus' call, call and his mountaintop experience with God was then tested in, in this desert experience. That's often been the case of Christians and their walks. To receive a call from God, to be excited, to have a mountaintop. It may be a moment or maybe six months or maybe whatever, but in that, that season in our life where we're receiving the affirmation and the love of the Father and we know it and we're certain of it and he's putting something into us. He's equipping us and preparing us. But then all of a sudden the season changes and we're not quite as sure as what, of what's going on as we were back then. And this is, of course, where the call of God is tested and where it's strengthened and where it's affirmed. And that which is not God falls away. This is where we learn how we can't do it in our own strength. And so Jesus has to learn to depend upon his Father in the desert, to eat, to survive, to, to stand against Satan. And it says he was with the wild animals and the angels attended him. Well, when I used to read that, I used to think, well, the wild animals are obviously about to attack him. And the angels are there to protect him from the wild animals. Well, that's me reading into Scripture something that I've got in my mind, because it doesn't say that. It says he's with the wild animals and angels attended him. And could it be here we've actually got from Mark a, a little bit of a, of a taste of what Jesus has come to do, which is to restore Eden. Uh, Paul calls Jesus the second Adam. And in Eden, of course, the animals were all cohabiting in unity nature the world you know everything worked together uh, in unity and uh, if Jesus has come to be the second Adam to restore that which was lost in the beginning then maybe Mark is showing us here just a little glimpse of what he's going to what he's going to achieve in the through his ministry he's come he's with the wild animals and angels attended him and he leaves it hanging that's all we really find out about what's going on. So there we are. We've, we've come to the, the closure of, the, of this little scene where Jesus is baptized, he's equipped, he's affirmed, he's, he now has his calls firm and strong, and he's immediately sent out into the desert and he's tented for 40 days, where presumably the, 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 the equipping of the Holy Spirit in his life is what's enabling him to stand. Where does he find the strength to stand against temptation? Where do you find the strength to stand against temptation? I've tried doing it out of my own strength. It doesn't work. Can do, but doesn't have to. Uh, but then sometimes you've just got to uh, find out how to draw upon the strength of God in you, haven't you? You've got to find out how to draw upon what he's put in you. To live this life that's called the Christian life. To walk the way God calls us to walk. Whatever the call is upon your life, whether it seems big or small or indifferent or whatever, none of them actually are small, of course. But to live the Christian life, we have all got to draw upon this strength uh, that God has put in us. Because even Jesus needed it. 
And Luke implies that when he says he's led by the Spirit into the desert and comes out of the desert full of the Spirit. And in Luke, he then goes on to talk about his first sermon in the synagogue, and we'll perhaps mention that next week. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information on the Way of the Spirit, visit www.thewayofthespirit.com.